Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey everyone, we have huge news. We just launched a new podcast called Clean Beauty School, and it's hosted by our incredibly talented beauty director, Alexandra Engler, who is today's guest. Here at My Buddy Green, we believe that conversation about the intersection of beauty and well-being is more important than ever which is one of the many things we're gonna talk about today with Alex. So tune in, make sure to subscribe to our Clean Beauty School podcast. It's gonna drop every Monday. So now we've got you covered here at My Buddy Green with podcasts dropping every Monday at Clean Beauty School and Wednesday and Friday here with me. Alex, welcome. Let's talk Clean Beauty School. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat about our new podcast. Yes, I am so excited about our new podcast, Clean Beauty School, hosted by you, our one and only beauty director. Uh, just me. It's an, yeah, it, it, just you. It, it is an important conversation. It is an important podcast. So I'm going to start with, I know the why, and you know the why. But so let's share the why. Why a beauty podcast from Mind, Body, Green? Yeah, you know, I think that in this space of beauty that we're living in right now, this clean space, this safe space of beauty, this space that's calling itself natural and green, there's just so much misinformation out there because we don't have strong definitions of what we mean by clean. And we don't because we haven't put in the work to really like have these hard conversations about what we want the beauty space to look like. And that's why it's so important to talk about this stuff because we need to figure it out together. We need to come to an understanding of what it means to be clean, what it means to be safe, what it means to take care of your body, what it means to take care of yourself. Because when you look at beauty through a lens of well-being, which I've had the pleasure of doing for the past, you know, two years that I've been at Mind Body Green, you really start to see the alignments so well with taking care of yourself me is fundamentally the core of beauty. And I think we separate that so often when we talk about beauty. You know, we talk about the aesthetic endeavors with beauty. We talk about how we use beauty to change ourselves. We talk about it's so easy to get, you know, caught up in those. Whereas when you take beauty through the lens of well-being, you really bring it back to yourself and you center it on yourself and you center it on how you're taking care of your skin, how you're taking your body, how you're taking care of yourself on the inside. And that's important conversations to have because if we don't have them now, then how are we going to control the narrative going forward? How are we going to control the definitions of clean beauty? How are we going to control our the products that are put into the world? How are we going to control the narrative that young beauty fans out there are listening to? How are we going to control what's happening on social media? These conversations are important to have because they have real life implications, whether it be mental health, whether it be your body, whether it be skin, whether it be any number of things. Beauty is real life. Your skin is you. It's important that we talk about it in this way. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm going to start with something you said in the beginning around definitions. And so there are no definitions of quote unquote, clean, natural, safe, green. How have you come to define them here at Mind Body Green? Yeah, this is such an interesting question. And it is, it's a hard question to answer. And I'll explain why I think it's a hard question to answer before I get into our personal definition of these words here. So it's a hard question to answer because we're, it's a space that's growing and it's a space that's totally unregulated. I think so often as a beauty writer, as a beauty editor, as somebody with a Uh, a more traditional beauty background, a lot of times what I hear on social media or comments through other beauty editors is they'll say, there's no definition of clean beauty. And it's supposed to be sort of this like mic drop moment where they're like, gotcha, like you don't have a definition of your job. And what I always come back to them is 
Well, what should the definition be? Who should decide that definition? Do we want it to be regulated by the FDA? You know, obviously the EU has done a pretty good job of regulations. So clearly a governing body can do it, but do we put that trust in the FDA? So one, we have to decide who is going to define these terms for us. And if we're not going, if the United States isn't going to put those regulatory standards on beauty, then you have to move to two different areas or three different areas, really. You have retailers, you know, retailers, they have started setting up their own definitions of clean and their own standards. So you can follow that or, you know, you can go to third party organizations. They have their own standards. These are nonprofits. They have their own seals. They have their their own compliances, but they also come to the game with their own biases. And then finally, you have content sources. You have people who are writing about beauty and they come to the table with their no list and how they define clean beauty. So these are all different parties that are actively trying to define these words in real time. And it's in real time because, you know, we are finding out so much more about these ingredients as we go. And so you have to kind of, there's just so much noise in this arena because you're having so many players who all come to the table with their own biases, with their own incentives, with their own reasonings as to what their definitions should be. And so that is why this is a hard conversation to have at this moment, because it's a new conversation and it's a conversation we are learning in real time. That all being said, I do think it is important to suss out what we mean personally here at MindBodyGrain. When we talk about clean, we're talking about safe beauty. We're talking about beauty that is not going to harm you. It is not going to be agitating to your skin. It is not um, going to harm the environment around you. It is not going to harm the environment when it goes back into the environment. It is not going to harm the environment when it is taken out of the environment. You have to think about all of those things that go into it. So yes, that does include no list. That does include things that you absolutely do not want in your products, which I know we're going to get to later, but it also includes what do you put in your products? What, how do you manufacture those products? What does the supply chain look like? What is your reasoning for putting a product into the world? Those things all incorporate when we talk about clean beauty, because you have to look at clean beauty from a holistic standpoint. It's not just enough to say, oh, we don't have X, Y, Z in here. You have to think about everything that comes along with it. So that's clean to us. Natural, you know, natural is a little bit more of uh, a, def- a straightforward definition. It comes from the earth. It's natural. You know these ingredients. These are the hobo oils. These are the coconut oils. These are things that we we understand to be natural because they are coming from nature. Green is another word that is thrown around here a lot. Green, I come to define green as more sustainable beauty. You know, clean beauty can be sustainable. Sustainable beauty can be clean. They do often go hand in hand, but not all clean beauty is sustainable. There are brands out there who do consider some clean who may not put as much work into the packaging. Or there are natural brands out there who perhaps are using ingredients that aren't harvested in the most sustainable way. And so when you talk about a good product, it it really should incorporate a lot of these principles all in one. And so that's how we've come to define them here. And like I said, it's a moving target, it feels like. And that's okay. And I do think that we need to be a little bit comfortable in sitting in that, that unknown because... Once you put on really harsh parameters on something, you're not willing to change. And like, what if next week there's a bombshell report that says XYZ ingredient is bad? Like, we need to be able to move with the research. And so that's why I'm personally okay with not having a definition that is so stringent right now. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. And I think the market's moving quickly, which leads me to to my next question, you know, how has your time here at Mind Buddy Green over the last two years influenced your views on beauty? How, how have they changed? I know a lot's changed in the last two years, but how, how have your views on beauty changed? Yeah, you know, I, I think this question is twofold. One, to your point, it has changed a lot in the last two years. So we have seen so much growth in this area. So my views on clean beauty have changed just because there's so much more in the market. And so I'm allowed to be a little bit more discerning with what I choose and what I consider clean. I think there was a time there for so long that when I wanted to use a clean product, there wasn't necessarily the options to choose from. And so you did kind of feel that you had to be married to what was out there at the time that doesn't exist anymore. The market is ever growing. It's ever changing. It's super expanding. It's really exciting to watch. But 
the second aspect to this question is my time at Mind Body Green specifically. And I do think that being at Mind Body Green has absolutely changed my view of beauty in some fundamental ways. You know, I think that it has opened me up to being able to explore products and beauty without being tied to having to have it be like new all the time, which I think is a really important point to focus on, especially when you're talking about products. Because so often in in the beauty space, editors and writers are encouraged to chase after what's the newest product, but that doesn't often give you a good amount of time and a good incentive to actually sit down with the product, research the product, try the product before you can recommend it. And so that's been a big change in how I talk about beauty and how I report on beauty. And then the other part about being at Mind Body Green is really just the science focus. I've said this before to you, and I've said this before to other people on the staff, I just, I love how intelligent our audience is. It really just gives you the opportunity to talk about things in a really science forward way that you don't feel that you need to shorten. You don't feel that you need to explain it in, in more simplistic terms. You really feel the energy of, of our audience is hungry and they're curious. And that's really exciting and to have that there because it does give you, it not only pushes you to create better content, but it gives you the opportunity to explore the science in a way that I've never felt that I needed to or felt the pressure to. And so I, now when I look at products and now when I go forward and look at formulas, it's from a very like science forward standpoint in a way that I've just, I've never been able to explore before. So you are 100% right, especially with regards to our audience yeah. being intelligent, especially our podcast audience. Yes. That's right. You listeners right now, you are very intelligent, <laughs> which is why you're all going to uh, subscribe to Alex's Clean Beauty School podcast, which, which as a reminder, will drop every Monday. Uh, Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you also talked about the market and all the products that are available now. And some would argue that it's oversaturated. Sure. And I'm curious, how do you cut through the clutter and really zero in on the products that you like and are worthy of your attention, of our attention, and ultimately our, our audience's dollars? Yeah, I a little bit touched on this and the answer to the last question, but I'll expand on it in a few different ways here. Because we're not tied in the same way to really go after the the products that are they're trendy on Instagram because they're sponsored by a celebrity or it's like a new celebrity line or it's the Glossiers of the world or it's Kylie Jenner's of the world. And we are not indebted to those brands because we view beauty in a way that is one, it's clean. And two, we view beauty in a way that it, it needs to come from a place of thoughtfulness. It needs to come from a place of um, intention. And I think a lot of times when, because the market is so oversaturated, you tend to get a lot of these products that you can't really like, you can't see the difference between them because what happens is when an influencer or a celebrity or just somebody out of the blue decides that they want to make a beauty line, but they go to a factory and they get the base level formula, they may make one or two tweaks and that's kind of it. They're not innovating. They're not pushing the boundaries. They're not seeing what's out there. They're not having a, a thoughtful uh, conversation with themselves about why they are entering the market. And I think that is something that we are able to look at in a thoughtful way here. You know, so like when I, when I look at products and when I cut through the noise is I don't recommend things that I don't try, which I, I don't think, I think a lot of beauty editors out there do genuinely do try a lot of products. I do know that fundamentally. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do think, but I, I mean, I, I am not indebted to write about brand new launches, so I don't have to write about things. And I have the freedom to like really sit down with a product and try it for a month before I ever recommend it to anybody. And so, like I said, I don't recommend things that I haven't tried. And I think that does set us apart from a lot of what's out there right now. And I think that is important. And I, another point that I want to make in this context is because we're not chasing the zeitgeist in the same way that all these other people are, is we don't, we're not indebted to what's the algorithm on Instagram says is trendy. We are indebted to our readers. And that means that you recommend much different products because 
when I recommend something, when I talk about something, it's because I want the best for our audience, not because it's something that I know can perhaps be popular on Instagram or whatever it is, or it's not something that I, that's not what I'm going for. And I do think that is a point of difference because when you can slow down and really test these products and really test and understanding the formula and look at it that way, it's, it really shows that when you put it out into the world and you put your recommendation out into the world, it, it, it shows that you really do care about the people who are going to read it because like a real human being is on the other side of that computer reading my words and saying, oh, I should buy this. Or another human being has their headphones on listening to this and going, oh, I should try that. And that's important to remember. There's somebody on the other side of this that we're speaking to and we need to respect their time and we need to respect their dollar and we re- need to respect their skin. Yeah. And and I would go as far as saying that some of the celebrity driven brands and the zeitgeist, like the classes of the world, they're just not good for you. And it's incumbent upon us to educate people on the why. Sure. Um, Exactly. In many ways, this conversation there's around beauty reminds me of the conversation around food five to 10 years ago. And we've seen how far we've come there and we're going to get there with beauty. And uh, I'm going to, and it's not just, especially with beauty and celebrities, it feels like it's the vehicle where, okay, got a celebrity, I'm popular. All right. Got to do beauty. Yeah, you know, like that's pl- exactly plug and play. what's happening There's right a factory now. in Asia. Let's go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing against capitalism and, and all that people creating <laughs> their own brands, but like it, it, it's look there. We all know, and our listeners are smart that there are serious implications when you're applying something to your it, body. It, it affects your skin in a real meaningful way. I think sometimes we forget that your skin is an organ. It is a part of you. It is you. I don't know how many times I can say that. Skin microbiome. Yeah, your skin microbiome. And, you know, these things that you put on your skin, when they affect your microbiome, when they affect your skin barrier function, when they affect these things, they are affecting you. They're affecting your internal health. They are affecting. There's this crazy study that came out in, I want to say, like 2018. And they actually found that when they, so they took patients who had compromised skin barriers. So this means people with inflammatory skin conditions. And so they took markers, like they tested these patients' bloods and they took markers for various things within their systems to, to show if they had any sort of stress markers, right? And so, or any sort of inflammation internally. And they're taking this internally. They're not doing tests on the skin. They're taking like actual internal tests to to see what sort of like stress markers they had internally. And what they found after these patients put on topicals for, I want to say like two months or so within this, uh, within this study, they found that those stress markers internally went down. So what you're doing to your skin barrier literally has real life effects to your health and your like what you do inside of you. It's I just I think that so often we forget that what we do to our skin is you're doing to you. And at the very basic level, we I talk about the microbiome a lot is because I'm so passionate about it because I think that what we're going to realize in 50 years, what we've done to our microbiome is just horrendous. It's horrible. It's it, it's drastically affecting our, self, our health. And it, we're going to see repercussions of this. Like we already are seeing repercussions of this. We're seeing increased inflammatory skin conditions. We're seeing it all across the board. And this is everybody. This is what they're showing is like there is an increase in sensitive skin. And we don't fully understand the long-term health effects of this because we are just now starting to understand what we've been doing to our microbiomes. But when we affect our microbiome in these ways, we we can't take that. It, like you can obviously like put in nurturing to take to tell your skin back, but like we keep on doing this to our skin and we don't think about what it's doing for us long term. And we just have to stop thinking in those in that way because this is real. This has real life implications. And you can't just like buy a product from that you see on Instagram from Kylie Jenner or whatever, and put it on your skin and then say, oh, like, it's fine. It's just a face wash. It's not just a face wash. That's your microbiome. You have to take care of it. Well, can can we build off this idea that your skin is also a reflection of your internal health? I think it's so critical because what you're getting at, it's also your your skin. They're interrelated. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think 
this conversation goes both ways. One, it goes the way that your skin is you. You should you should treat your skin healthy just for the fact that it is you. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't forget about it. You shouldn't think of it as an afterthought. You shouldn't think of it as an a means to an aesthetic end. It's none of those things. It is you. But it's also your there's a lot of dermatologists do this. Dr. Bo is one who, you know, we're big fans of at Mind Body Green. But you know, she says your skin is your biggest ally. It is gonna tell you what what is happening internally. So we know that a lot of people who have inflammatory skin conditions, when they eat a pro-inflammatory diet, we know that it shows up on their skin. We have seen this time again. We know that when you are stressed, we know that it is one of the biggest causes of premature aging. We know that it causes breakouts. We know that it causes even just dullness in, in the moment. Like We know that your skin becomes duller when you have chronic stress. And it's actually quite interesting why one of the reasons why is because when you're stressed, you enter fight, flight or flight mode, right? And so your body is literally redirecting all of your resources to you know, your heart, your lungs, your brain, these organs that they need to be engaged when you're in flight or flight. And so those nutrients are actually pulled away from your skin. So your skin is not as vibrant because you are in fi- flight or flight mode. And I just think that's so interesting that like we, you can literally see on your skin what is happening to you internally because your skin is a reflection of your health and we know this to be true on so many different levels we know that what we put in our we know that what we eat has has repercussions on how our skin looks we know that if you eat a a diet that um can you know that it's high in vitamin c and you take your collagen supplements that you can spur collagen production we know this to be true because those collagen supplements and the vitamin c and the vitamin e and all those things that you put in your body they don't make it directly to your skin but they make it to the fibroblasts and they encourage the fibroblasts to actually increase production or support production. So we know that is one area. We also know that your gut microbiome, if in balance, it does have repercussions in your skin as well. The correlation between the two here, we are still learning so much more about. So I'm always hesitant to make any direct causation claims, but you can make a lot of correlation claims because we do know that if you have a leaky gut, then you know that stuff does leak into your body and it does show up in your skin through inflammation. And so we know that you need to have a balanced gut microbiome, um, especially if you are somebody who has predisposition to acne, rosacea, um, eczema, psoriasis, any of those things. We also know that working out is a big component of this. We know that if you don't move your body, you're not improving circulation and all of these vital things is not moving. You know, you're not, there's a direct comparison between the people who have signs of premature aging and who live a sedentary lifestyle versus people who get out and move their bodies. All of these things are connected. Sleep is a big one. Sleep is perhaps one of the biggest ones really, because you know, if you lose sleep, your body, so when you sleep, your body is, goes into repair mode. We know this for the whole body. The same thing happens with your skin, right? And so when you lose sleep, your skin loses its most valuable time to regenerate. And you can see those differences days after the fact because your skin needs time to regenerate. Your skin is a living dynamic organ that needs to heal itself. And if you don't sleep, you're not getting the adequate time to do that. So all these things are all tied. And to pretend that they're not is just to slather on a cream at the end of the day and be like, well, I've done my job. Well, that's not even close to the end of the game. You have to think about all of this. It's, it reminds me of, you know, you know, I love supplements. We love supplements. We have a supplement line here, but it's like you can't supplement your, your way out of a bad diet. No. And it's the same thing. You can't just say you can't not hydrate. You can't eat crap. You can't do all (laughs) put on and then just put on a product in the day and say, I'm good. Sure. And listen, some people are super lucky when they're young and they can eat whatever they want and they can like not sleep and like they still look like they have like decent skin. But you know what? That does encourage chronic low grade inflammation. And that it it, it will have effects later down the line is what I'll say about that. So agreed, agreed. And so I want to come back to, I'll I'll put it in the the bucket of decoding labels, if you will. And again, uh, we've come so far in food. uh, People are going to be becoming more educated, but beauty is just tough. It's so hard, yeah. On one hand, you have brands will go as far as saying, you know, we're free from this or that. (laughs) And the reality that they wouldn't have had it. Exactly. It's like ridiculous. And, And then also... There are specific ingredients, which if you see, you should just run for the hills. Sure. So can we talk a little bit about that? that yeah. You know, what should consumers look for? Yeah. I think that 
we can break this down in a few ways. One, I think that people should, the first thing that you should do if you're a consumer and you want to start finding clean products is you honestly, like you need to start seeking out retailers that have high standards. These are going to be your whole foods. They are going to be your credos. Naked Poppy is another good one. If a brand sells there or if a brand is formulated to those standards, then you're usually in pretty good hands because these brands actually do. They cut out around some like 2000 ingredients. They follow EU standards. They usually go above and beyond. So if you're somebody who's like, I cannot leave, read a label. I don't want to read a label. Like I just want to like, I want to trust somebody to just do it for me. I do say that like you can find comfort in those places, but there are a lot of retailers that pretend to have clean brands and carry clean brands that aren't held, they do not hold themselves to the same standards. And this is a large chunk of the country that that's where they're shopping. Not everybody has a credo around the corner. Not everyone has a Whole Foods around the corner even. So some things that you definitely want to look for, I think the big ones are definitely in the zeitgeist, the parabens, the phthalates, the mineral oil, sulfates, things like that. I think those are pretty genuinely well understood as quote unquote, the bad guys and, or are the bad guys. And, you know, so I think a lot of brands have gotten pretty good about quote unquote, clean washing here because, you know, they know to say that they don't have these things. They, they've caught on, <laughs> if you will. And so the next step that you can go into, there's, there's a few things to look for. So the first we're going to talk about is cyclical si- silicones. So silicones is an interesting category of ingredients. And some people stay away from silicones altogether just because they don't see the point in them. They're just kind of like a synthetic compound that is supposed to bring, um, it, it, it's there for you know aesthetic purposes. It makes a lotion feels nice. It, it makes a hair cream go on your hair easier, et cetera. And so a lot of people stay away from these just because they're like, well, I'd rather just use something that uses like an oil instead. So, but a few brands that do kind of fall into the clean category, they will use things that are more linear silicones. So these are going to be your dimethicones or your amethicones. These are, they're not, they're actually like not, they're not bad for you and they're not bad for the environment. But what happens with them is they do tend to stick on hair and skin. And so it changes user behavior in a really interesting way. So if you are using a hair cream that has like dimethicone in it, it doesn't rinse out of the hair all that easy. So then you have to be super aggressive when you're washing your hair. And we know that you actually do not want to get into that cycle of damage. Uh, the same thing with your skin. If you're using a face cream that has one of these silicones, you're going to have to be kind of aggressive to get it off or it's not all going to come off. And then it might clog pores. It might disrupt your microbiome. It might do all those sort of things. And then this last class, which is definitely like absolutely 1000% avoid is the cyclical silicones. So what these are, they are nonlinear. They are actually, they they form a circle and these actually have environmental buildup. So these fall under a class of ingredients that they're not only like not good for your skin because they stick on your skin. They're really hard to get off, et cetera, all the reasons that I just said, but they'll also build up in our waterways. And so this is why the EU and Canada have both banned any of these class of, or this class of silicones because they are finding that they are building up in our water, in our waterways. And this is actually something that you will find so often in brands that call themselves quote unquote clean. You will see these all the time in the show notes. I'll give a few examples so people can keep an eye out for them. Another area is formaldehyde releasers. Formaldehyde is a big one that, you know, we, I, a lot of people it's obviously just, know. It's just gross. It just reminds me of chemistry in my sophomore year in high school. <laughs> it's oh. like, you shouldn't be a chemist to like treat your body right. Like you shouldn't have to know this stuff. It should just be a better industry, but whatever. So formaldehyde releasers, I think we all know, I think the brands have caught on that they shouldn't have formaldehyde, et cetera, et cetera. But there are a class of ingredients that when they break down, they release formaldehyde. These are often found in a lot of strengtheners, hair strengtheners, nail strengtheners. Honestly, they're found in quite a few ingredients. And I'll give a few examples in the show notes just so people can look out for them. If, if I try to say them now, I might butcher them. And honestly, like it's just easier if people can look at show notes instead of taking notes here. <laughs> we'll make yes, it easy for everybody. They're very hard names to pronounce. Yeah. 
a few more, just two more. I won't sure, take up too ahead. much of your time. All right. So no, there's no, some, please go ahead. It's important. There's uh, some, there's a class of ingredients called PGs. These are, these are going to be emulsifiers. These are petroleum derived products. And so they're going to be like, so one, we do try to stay away from petroleum in general as a class of ingredient, but there can be super, super irritating to the skin. They can be quite disruptive. They are, they can cause allergies. They can cause sensitivities. So, and I want to bring these up because I think these are an interesting class of ingredients because for so long they were only petroleum derived, but there are actually a few of them that they have found to create the structure from their bio-based. So they're plant derived. So these are going to be things like propylene glycol. And so if you see a propylene glycol, this is a classic example that comes up all the time on your ingredient list. If it is not indicated that is plant-based, you can safely assume that it is petroleum-based. But if the brand has noted that it is plant-based, it's actually safe for you and you don't actually have any worries. And so I just think that's like an interesting like nuance there that like we're kind of behind the time on educating people on those. So I just, I always like to bring that up. And then the last thing I just want to bring up that you see a lot, especially in, and you see these in clean brands quite a bit, it's this idea of natural ingredients that are beloved, but have had and do have a history of really bad harvesting practices. So you're going to see things like palm oil, which is as connected to deforestation in a pretty major way. You're going to see things like mica, which is a, it's a mineral that's shimmery. It's used in a lot of uh, makeup. It's the primary ingredient that they use to give any sort of makeup its shine. This has actually been tied to child labor in parts of India and Africa. They're doing better to try to fix the supply chain, but it's actually, it's still a, a problem that is ongoing. Another issue is patchouli oil. So this is a retinol alternative that comes up quite a bit. It's actually an endangered plant. Now, there are some brands that have done a really good job of harvesting it in a sustainable way, but you really do need to keep an eye out for it. You shouldn't just go on and buy like any that you see. You should do your research on these. And then, you know, certain essential oils like sandalwoods often come up just because, you know, Indian sandalwood is endangered. You can get away with using like an Australian sandalwood or even like a South American sandalwood is fine. But, you know, it's hard to trace back if you're using a sandalwood essential oil, it's hard to trace back where that comes from. So it's just, there's a lot that goes into this. I could go on, but I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned patchouli and I go back, I, for me, I, I think Butchouli oil, to, not patchouli. Oh, oh, okay. I'm talking about the patchouli. patchouli. Because I thought so, you were saying patchouli. I'm like, oh my God, if all the deadheads and fish heads back from my 25 <laughs> years ago, would, would like if sure. they only knew the if damage they, they were knew. doing. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned deforestation and palm oil. And so I'm going to segue to sustainability. Sure. Look, we're mind, body, green. And the sustainability conversation and beauty has a lot of, has a lot of work. Yes. So what sort of things do you see or, or want to see with regards to the sustainability conversation and beauty? Yeah. You know, this is something that we talk about a lot internally at mind, body, green and, Yes, the beauty industry is significantly behind where they should be. And I think that right now we're trying to play catch up. I don't know if we're trying to play catch up as fast as we should be. And so one one thing that I think will help is we need to talk about, this is a phrase that we used in our latest beauty trend roundup that one of one of my dear coworkers came up with. And I sing her praises because I think it's a great line, radical transparency. And here we have a radical recycling transparency, rather. You have to be so, so honest about what your packaging is made of. You have to be so, so honest about what can actually be recycled. You can. You need to be so, so honest about what cannot be recycled. And you need to give people the tools to do this on their own. Because if you just slap a recycling thing on a, a bottle and call it a day, like the consumer doesn't know what that they need to unscrew the top and take out the pump and then rinse it out. And then they can't recycle the pump because it has this little spring in it. They don't know these sort of things. And so you need to be, a few brands have done a really good job at this and I really applaud them, but you know, they go above and beyond on their website of putting exactly how to recycle their products. And I think this is so important because once you give people the tools to do better, they will do better. Uh, but the other part of this conversation is understanding and being honest with the consumer about where the industry is falling short and where you might be falling short. I, I always use the Patagonia example of this because I thought what they did a few years ago was just so brilliant with what they were selling. You know, they said they when, when you bought a, a jacket from them, they outlined exactly where they were falling short in their goals of sustainability 
where they were doing well, where they want to be, and what steps that they were taking to get there. And I thought that was really interesting because we're doing the best we can with what's available. We can't magically create a, a, a new vessel for products just because we, the consumer, want it. Like There's a lot of things that go into this that are a little bit outside of our control as a consumer, especially. And so you have to work within the limits that you're given while also pushing for better. And so if we are honest with where we're at, then it gives consumers the the opportunity to hold you accountable, one. And then two, ask for more and use their dollar as their voice and buy things that do have more sustainable and recyclable packaging and do all the things that they say that they want to do. Because without that knowledge of the consumer, just they can't act better. And it, it a little bit goes back to this idea that I think beauty wants to pretend they're they have this like perfection complex and we like embed it in ourselves because we have this idea that like beauty needs to be perfect. You can't have a blemish. You can't have this. You can't have that. And I think that idea transcends into the beauty industry writ large because I think the beauty industry is so afraid of admitting where it has issues and where it has its own blemishes. And we have to stop that. We have to be honest with each other and we have to be honest with our consumer and say like, listen, we're say we're using this this sort of vessel that it's aluminum so you can do xyz with it like we need to be honest that you're making that choice because it was a more sustainable choice and on the flip side if you are working towards a better goal like you need to be honest with that stuff and you need to say like hey like we're not where we want to be right now but like this is what we're going to do to get there and like we just have to stop pretending we're perfect so the beauty industry clearly has a lot of issues. Anything you like? <laughs> anything else you'd like to touch on there? Any for those listening in the industry? What other opportunities are there? Sure, um, man. Where could I go with this question? <laughs> I mean, I do think that kind of I just touched on this idea. Like, I do think the beauty industry needs to step back and like does like a check of its own ego almost because I think we are setting ourselves, the beauty industry is setting itself up that it has the answer for everything and it doesn't. It it does have this like perfectionist complex where we are we're telling people that they need to be perfect and then we're also like telling ourselves that we need to be perfect. And that's not the way that the beauty conversation should should be happening. Like I, I think the healthiest way to have a beauty conversation is to understand that like perfection isn't the goal. And it never should be, and it never was. Perfection is unattainable. And as long as we are just searching to be healthy and searching to teach our bodies and nurture our bodies and nurture our skin and do all these things to just be the best version of ourselves, then that's the goal. That's the end result. But we've done, we've just been doing this thing for so long where the marketing was, you can be perfect if you just do this one thing. And like, that is never going to be the case. And we have to stop talking like that because that is what it sets us up for failure. And it also makes the consumer not trust us because if you tell a consumer that, that, or a reader or a listener that they, if they just do this one thing that like their skin will be great, like that's never going to happen. And then that person is never going to come back and trust you in the same way again. And that's not fair to them. And that's also like, like I said, it's setting you up for failure. You know, another area that I think the, the beauty industry needs to do a lot better and I see very exciting growth is the microbiome. We're going to talk about it again. The microbiome is this area of beauty that and barriers support. It's an area of beauty that is, we're going to see tremendous growth happen in the next 10, 20, 50 years. I mean, the things that we know now about the microbiome absolutely are blowing <laughs> my mind. They are blowing researchers' minds. They are blowing dermatologists' minds. Anybody who has been that is in the beauty industry is really excited about this area of growth because there's just so much that is going to be happening. And as we learn more, I really, I hope that the beauty industry moves right alongside of it because this is, you know, we're learning this stuff in real time and I, we got a course correct. Like that's what we know to be true. Like we have to course correct here. So I, I really do hope that the beauty industry, like I think, I hope that they keep an eye on the research and I hope that the editors out there and the consumers out there and the, the people who are making the products out there, you know, I hope that they keep an eye on this stuff because we, as we're learning this stuff, we'll know what changes we need to make. And we know that we need to make them now. 
So let's just start doing it. I think those are areas that like I'm really excited about to see growth in general. And lastly, I'll just say I'm excited for these conversations to become mainstream. I think they have been for, you know, a handful of years now. And I just I'm excited for them to really like crack open this stuff in a way that feels honest and a way that feels like we're ready for the work. Because I think that we've we've set ourselves up for this space in the clean beauty world to say like, hey, like we're here, we can have a better industry, we can have a better product, we can have a, a better t- you know, view on beauty. Let's all figure it out how to do that. Like let's work together, let's put in the work, let's make this area better. So I would say that's what I'm excited about for beauty for sure. So you mentioned the microbiome and I agree, it's a huge trend. What other trends are you paying attention to right now? Sure. Backlash to exfoliation, for sure. It is definitely tied to the barrier conversation, but I I do think it is a different conversation. I think that for several years on Instagram, it was like nonstop. Every influencer was like, I use this peel and I use this peel and I use this peel and then I use this retinol and then I use this serum. And it was like, it was crazy to watch. Like everyone had like 17 hero products and it was just a it was wild to see everybody put them all on their face. And I'm like, your, your, your skin cannot handle that. And so I think now we're seeing this backlash to such extreme exfoliation, which I think is exciting. Not that like people aren't going to use lactic acids or glycolic acids. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think people are looking for ingredients that offer similar end goals while not stripping your skin of dead skin cells. Because like, listen, like the outer layer of your skin is dead skin cells. And like, they're supposed to be there. They're there for a reason. Like you shouldn't want, like we talk about like getting rid of them and it's like, you shouldn't want that. You actually need them there. Like you can get rid of excess dead skin cells, but like, that's a different conversation. We, you shouldn't like hate that area of your skin, that top layer of your skin, like your dead skin cells are there for a reason. So I'm seeing that backlash to exfoliation. We're seeing a lot of like color cosmetics having like so much fun in this space. I think for so long, even people who are willing to get on board with clean skincare were never willing to get on board with clean makeup just because like it was just, it felt so far behind. It felt like there just like wasn't the stuff, the the same products there. You know, you couldn't find a good mascara to save your life, but that's just like totally different now. And it's fun to see all these brands come out with new products that really rival Everything that's been out there in traditional beauty and not only rival it, but innovate it in an exciting way. Because, you know, I think for so long, it was kind of just like we had all these like same makeup products and we didn't see like too much innovation in the space. And all we kind of saw was just like tweaks to color. And I do think that because clean beauty has to work outside the parameters of traditional ingredients, they use that to their advantage. And they came up with like textures and application methods and and bases that were all like really exciting and really sensorially appealing and like colors that were super vibrant. And it was just like really cool to see. I would say the last trend that I am looking forward to is just like the refocus on the body and also like the refocus on what it means to take care of your body. Because I do think that Taking care of your body is a core part of so much history and so many traditions all across the globe. Like we just, we know this to be true. We know that bathing rituals have always been really important. We know that tending to your skin on your entire body is something that like, it feels deeply human. And I'm excited for that to like really transcend in a really lovely way in this space. I just think that people... I think we're going to see really exciting formulas come out. I think people are putting as much investment in the body products as they are doing the face. And that seems really exciting to me just because, you know, it's like, yeah, your face is important because it's this, the the space that everybody looks at, but it's like, it's only a small percentage of your skin. (laughs) You have the whole rest of it to take care of too. So I would definitely say that's what I'm excited for. So, For anyone listening who's saying to themselves, okay, I need to take my clean beauty routine seriously. Well, first of all, they need to subscribe to Clean Beauty School, which (laughs) drops every Monday. But what are your non-negotiables for anyone listening in terms of lifestyle or just general tips? Someone's like, all right, I got to do it. It's go time. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, non-negotiables are definitely sleep. And I say that as somebody who like in the past year has definitely struggled with sleep and like definitely saw it in my skin. Uh, I think everybody struggled with sleep this last year, whether 
we, we put in all the effort or not. So I know I'm not alone there. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will understand. And but it's like I, I talk to people and I say, you know, I definitely saw the repercussions of this this past year. And it, it, it happened in real time. And so, you know, like sleep is so important. So you got to get the sleep in. Like I said, that's when your skin recovers. It's such a vital part of your skincare routine sleep, sleep, sleep. You know, I think that you need to really focus on a diet that works for your body and your skin. If that's something that you need to pay attention to. I am somebody who has long known that I have certain food triggers that do cause me to break out or have rosacea flare ups. When I was young, I definitely had more acne and it's kind of as transitioned over to rosacea, but I know that I can't have a ton of dairy. I just know that about myself. I know that I can't really have a meal that is super high in high glycemic indexed foods. Um, not that I don't have those foods on occasion, but I also know that like if I do, then be prepared for perhaps, you know, seeing a flare up. So really work with your body and understand the triggers that your body has and take the time to do it. Like take the time to figure out your diet. Um, and obviously stress plays a huge part of it. So, you know, figuring out a stress routine that really works for you. We have been talking about breathing at my body grain for so for the past year in a pretty major way. And I've definitely got on board with that. So I think that like that has really helped me, especially during this, like the chaos of the past year. So those are definitely lifestyle things that I would say are a good place to start. And moving on from that, if you really want to look at your skincare routine, I would say it's important to pay attention to what your skin needs that day and that moment. I think so often, and I'm guilty of this too. Listen, like I like having my routine and I like sticking to it, but I need to be better about listening to my skin and be like, hey, like I don't need to put on a serum right now because like I'm having a rosacea flare up and like I don't need this vitamin C because it could be like a little sensitizing or like, like I just need to put on this moisturizer and call it a day. So really paying attention to what you need in the moment and being really mindful about it just because like if, if you're going to be mindful about everything else, you should also be mindful about beauty. And so paying attention to that, I think is really important. If you want to structure a routine that makes sense for you, the basics, just start with the basics. Start with with a, a face cleanser that you absolutely love and that you will use every night, whether it's an oil because you love oil cleanse, whether it's a gentle cream cleanser. And there's even really good foaming options that are used with gentle like plant-derived surfactant. So, you know, they're not using sulfates to get that, the, that sudsy feeling. Any of those I think are incredible. You want to find something that you really enjoy using at the end of the night and of the morning if you decide to wash your face in the morning. And then you really want a moisturizer that is going to give you some barrier support. So you're going to look for things that you're going to look for your hyaluronic acids. You're going to look for your squalene. You're going to look for any of your plant oils like jojoba is a good one because it actually mimics your natural sebum. You also want to look for anti-inflammatory ingredients. Aloe is such a classic one that everybody rightfully loves. And then you to go a step beyond that, you want to look for ingredients that are going to protect the skin. I love folding in something with an antioxidant, whether it's you know a QOQ10, whether it is a, a vitamin C. I love vitamin C serum when my skin can handle it. A vitamin E is also incredible. Those sort of like always, I, I love folding in an antioxidant. I just think it's so important to give your skin that extra layer of protection. And then obviously I am such a fan of like biome friendly products. So these are going to be your prebiotics, your probiotics, your postbiotics, which is a very exciting part of this convo that we we're just scratching the surface on and I just I can't wait to see how it expands. Definitely like incorporating those into your routine it can help balance your microbiome and it can help restore that barrier in a really thoughtful way. And then sunscreen. I, I know we're big fans of vitamin D here. And so, you know, um, you do want to make sure that you get your vitamin D and go outside, but you also want to protect your skin because we do know that photo damage causes premature aging and also serious health effects. So that's a pretty basic routine. And then from there, you can kind of just like add on as you see fit. But I am such a fan of like, keep it minimal. Just like keep what works for you and don't try to like mess with it. I'm a beauty editor who is exposed to a lot of products. And for the past two months, I truly have just been using a face wash and a moisturizer and an SPF if I'm like exposed to sun. And like, truly that's it. I'm not using a ton of stuff because I just, I don't need it right now. So why would I? Well, it almost sounds like in the way we talk about an elimination diet with yeah. food, yeah. you do, try an elimination diet if, if you're looking to get started and you already have so much product, it's like tear it down, start from scratch, see what exactly. happens. Exactly. Get down to the basics and like even to take a page from elimination diets is like track your progress, track your skin. 
have a skin journal, do that sort of stuff, like put in the work. I think we're so eager to put in the work with our diet and with our workouts for good reasons, obviously, you know, because they affect so much. But put in the work for your skin too. It's it's equally as important. I know I'm biased, but... <laughs> No, I, I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree, which is one of the reasons why we launched this podcast with you. And in closing, we're so excited. I know we, we've said that numerous times about the show. What can people expect from the show and the conversations you're going to have? Yeah, I'm so excited for it. I think people should expect thoughtful conversations that dive into very specific aspects of clean beauty. And what I mean by this is we're going to talk to the top experts and and just in the same way that you talk to the top minds in, in the wellness space, we're really searching out those people in the beauty space, specifically the clean and natural beauty space, and having them dive into their area of expertise and really uncovering every nuance, every recent development, everything you need to know about various areas like the skin barrier, like decoding an inky list, like how how do we define clean beauty, like things like hair loss, like things like fragrance, all these areas of beauty that there's so much to learn and there's so much to uncover that we wanted to bring on the people who are the most knowledgeable and they do stay up. They stay the most up to date. These aren't people who don't read the research and they don't they don't talk to other people in their surroundings you know we we talk, we reach out to the people who are on the ground working and they're on the ground and they're learning stuff in the same way that you talk to the same type of people in the wellness space and diving into these conversations and in, in a way that's thought provoking in a way that feels emotional but in a way that feels science forward and i just think it's really exciting because i think there are a lot of areas of clean beauty that we kind of brush over and when you actually dive into it it's an endless trove of information and I've just been having the best time talking to people and I'm, I feel like I've been learning a lot and I feel like I knew a lot going into it. Like I thought I was going to be having these conversations and be like, I just like lead the conversation where I think it should go. And it turns out like the conversations I'm having, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know so much of this stuff. So it's exciting for me too. Well, I can vouch for the conversations for everyone listening. I've gotten a, a sneak peek as well and they are amazing, thoughtful, critical conversations that we all need to be having in 2021. And so again, we're thrilled to launch this podcast with you, Alex. Beauty School drops Monday. Everyone subscribe. Alex, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. And thank you for supporting this new endeavor. I'm just so excited to um, launch it with you guys and to be a part of the team and hopefully grab some of your great listeners to come on board with mine too. <laughs> oh, they're, they're coming over. They're a smart group. They're going to need their, they're going to need their fill from beauty school. So cool. Mo- Monday's beauty school guys, you got to subscribe. Well, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs>